do their record thing. Mm-hmm. Welcome back, everybody, to the Prefer Not to Say podcast. Oh, yeah, we're back again. I'm your host, James Bunn, also known as Boutique Paul. And I'm your host, Greg Tenbrink, also known as Daddy Master Senpai. Yeah, we're back with a regular episode. Mm-hmm. You know, regularly just, scheduled programming. Yeah, regularly scheduled. <laughs> we dropped the first episode of the Corona Bonus Pandemic Cast Quarantine Special. Mm-hmm. That that went over pretty well with some of our diehards. Oh, yeah. So I saw it get uh, what was it? a response on TikTok from Josh Higgs. I'm going to just at him in every uh, episode <laughs> now. <laughs> just promote him. <laughs> What's his, uh, I think his TikTok it's, is Josh Higgs 7. That is exactly, is J-O-S-H-H-I-G-G-S 7 for all those interested in, in my man out here coming up on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> He's got over 10,000 views. Mm-hmm. That's kind of crazy. Doing things. So, this episode is for the weebs. Mm-hmm. We are going to talk about the importance of My Hero Academia, which is really funny because it seems like all of our episodes that we have planned that our interviews kind of, well, no, not all of them, but some of them kind of actually are perfect for the situation we're in where everyone's indoors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the importance of My Hero Academia and why you should binge the ever-loving crap out of it while yeah. you're in all <laughs> Right. <you're> in your <laughs> house. Except Funimation um, paused all dubs yeah. of everything until this passes, which kind of blows. Which is sad because I'm not up to date, but I mean, hey, bonus no spoilers over here because I can't talk about anything that's not dubbed. Oh, that's true. To spoil it for myself. That's true. I read ahead, so I already know what happens. So I'm not terribly hurt mm-hmm. over this kind of pause. So potential spoiler warning. <laughs> no, I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reveal things about things people haven't consumed yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean some people who've watched the dubs or subs already, you know, know yeah. what's going on. Yeah, but like uh, what I mean to say is like if for the people that are the furthest behind, they're the people who only watch the dub, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, and we don't have to go do that. Far, at, that it's only point, a few episodes. at that point, all that content, we're, we're like lifting the spoiler ban on that. Oh, it's okay. been out there long enough. That's yeah. that's what I mean to say. Yeah. If, if it's been out and you've had time uh, speaking, side note, um, did you see that uh, Rick and Morty anime short that Adult Swim put out? I've I've seen it floating around, but I haven't watched it yet. It's awesome. It's on my I, sh- I, sh- I shared it. Uh, I shared the link and I said, Wubba Lubba Sub Sub. <laughs> Is it subbed? Yes, it's subbed. <laughs> That's great. It's not dubbed at all. It's, it's straight subbed. It, it, it's sub, amazing. Sub. I'm just waiting for the Rick and Morty movie to happen. Mm-hmm. Like they need to do that. I don't know if they will. If they do, it'll probably take 10 years. Yeah, because they have have such a problem with working together, apparently. I don't know. That's what everybody says, but I don't look into it. So, yeah, we are here to talk about My Hero Academia, which I and a lot of us like to think is, or at least me, I think is probably one of the most important pieces of art in the modern age. Yeah, it's it's def it's definitely at least the most important anime that's out right now. Oh, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely most important anime in general. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of popular ones. You know, I, I think we're kind of removed from uh, it, it, it's removed far enough from what the former big three was. Which I mean, you know, I saw this one article that was talking about like what's going to be the big three now in like in like shonen jump and all that and i was mm-hmm. like you know i think we only got really one true big three that happened like with long time series running simultaneously what was it uh naruto bleach in one piece really yeah 
I guess. I mean, I'm, I talking, about, I'm talking about long form mm. where they've la- they you know with how long they were around simultaneously. I think that was only a time where we had a real big three. I mean, you have oh. other big threes you could kind of claim, but nothing that you know. It's I, I put Yu Yu Hakusho on a level with Dragon Ball Z, but that it was a shorter series. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I just don't pay attention to like when stuff was airing. I just kind of consume it when I consumed it. Well, I was I, I, I'm not even referencing airing. I'm just talking about as a franchise in general because oh. they all kind of happened within like a few years of each other. Because I think One Piece started serializing in '97. I think Naruto was '99, and I think One Piece might have been 2001 or something like that. So within like a span of a few years, they all just sort of came up and then they continued and one piece outlasted all of them. In that respect, then I think from my perspective, the big three would have been like Dragon Ball Z Pokemon and and one piece. At least from my point of view. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's really hard to count Pokemon as anime for me for some reason. I mean, it is, but (laughs) I mean, yeah, I, it definitely, yeah, I'd say it is, mm-hmm. but yeah, well, I, I don't know when did, when did Pokemon actually start doing manga? I have no idea. Cause I, I don't think it, I don't think it happened like before the show. All, all of time is like one, one concurrent day to me. It's, it's, just all, it's all Monday. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I don't know. I think the thing with my hero academia is I don't think I've ever been more excited for, for a show like this, it, it's like this is the kind of feeling I had watching Dragon Ball Z 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And now I get this feeling again, like, oh, I can't wait to see whatever this show takes me. Yeah. Or the manga, because I'm reading ahead. I don't know what it is about this show, but it just connects with everybody on some level. And it, it, it just it's almost universally known at this point. Like I, you can't walk down the street and bump into somebody and not like have a conversation about my hero academia. I was at the store the other day. I didn't get the dude's attention, but he had a, my hero shirt and hat. <laughs> I think, I think Where it's just that? impressive how fast it exploded. Cause I think the manga just started in 2014. Mm-hmm. We're in 2020. It's like, you know, they've got four seasons out, two movies, and it's just like this massive empire they're building with it. Yeah, I mean, once the culture sticks to something, they stick to it, at least for a good few years. They really put it straight into the uh, the, the, the focus. Well, I think it's also important, too, because this is, you know, we had this kind of changeover within like, I don't want to say it had to be more than just a decade. But when shows started to happen like subbed and dubbed simultaneously we didn't we don't have like these shows are coming out we don't have to wait mm-hmm. for them to get popular here like dragon ball that franchise that was done and finished by the time it hit the states yep so like then it came over to the states and that was you know that was the thing that kind of really pushed for anime to really explode in the west because like you know you had people who were into it but dragon ball z was one of those first ones that was like super popular that everybody was into it yeah the simulcasting thing is definitely what's uh what's helping propel things into the into the limelight you know when it when it comes out subbed and dubbed it can be approached by all all viewers you know from from every different uh walk of life every different uh preference towards yeah and, and it's happening you know it's that simultaneous release it's like we don't have to wait for japan to be done with it for us to get it you mm-hmm. know having funimation now is probably one of the best purchases i've ever made like i'm debating getting crunchyroll just so i have more to watch i don't if you're gonna do that i think i think you just go for like vrv because it has crunchyroll in it 
You never heard of VRV? No. I'll tell you about it afterwards. That's so what, good. What does it have Funimation stuff? I don't know. Because I think Funimation, I think Funimation I think, now is exclusive except for who they license you because they ended their partnership with Crunchyroll. So Crunchyroll doesn't have Funimation stuff. Okay. I'll have to, I'll have to check, but I'm I'm pretty sure I watch stuff like like Dragon Ball Super on VRV. But it's also got stuff. It's also got Crunchyroll stuff. It's also got like Critical Role. Um, it's also got uh, Harmon Quest, which I've been meaning to get you to watch because you've uh, expressed interest in. Uh, well, Rick I mean, I'm. I'm mostly like Funimation now because I got it at a time where it was there was one tier and then oh yeah you're like grandfathered into the best tier yeah I got I got I'm like in the middle tier where I can have five simultaneous viewers Mm. and it's only six bucks a month yeah when it's like ten so (laughs) (laughs) well it's also good for like the Funimation dubs too because that's what I primarily watch Mm -hmm. and just oh I get to watch all the classic stuff anyways back to my hero because that's really what the episode's about i mean overall overall anime is very important nowadays mm-hmm. in general not just my hero i mean and it has been for most of us you know i i think the big thing is it's something we've hit this kind of apex in this kind of you know medium kind of weeb otaku culture oh, okay. where it's for the whole family now because all of us growing because kids watching it our generation's having kids and sharing that. It's not like, you know, you know, how many parents of kids, you know, now who are older, their parents were like, might've been in the comic books, but then they stopped when they were adults. Cause they decided to, you know, to those grow are for up. kids. Yeah. 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 Grow I hate up. That concept. It's, it, it always beguiles me and infuriates me the whole, Oh man, I hit a certain age and I have to grow up and give up everything that I like. No, fuck that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we still watch, watch cartoons. I want to be in the retirement home binging anime <laughs> <laughs> and by that i mean you'll be sitting in your retirement mansion mm-hmm. cosplaying and stuff <laughs> uh, i'm waiting to see senior citizen cosplayers if there aren't already existing dude all the all the people that are like obsessed with like really stepping into the shoes of the characters get to cosplay all the older characters now <laughs> like perfectly that's amazing older people cosplaying <laughs> gran torino and stuff oh like an older dude Master Roshi. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you hear the um the original Japanese voice actor of Master Roshi died yeah, recently? Yeah, uh, sad. But then again, I'm never really attached to the to the uh, subs because I don't really, I don't particularly enjoy the Japanese voice actors. But it's still sad that he passed. I don't know the voice actors who plays Goku and Gohan and Goten, basically yeah. the whole family. Mm-hmm. She's getting up there. I think she's in her like seventies or eighties or something, still doing the series. She was still doing super too, mm-hmm. which is kind of impressive that, you know, <laughs> doing it attached to a franchise for that long. Honestly, it's a like super job security. Could you imagine that? Like you're, tra- you're, you're auditioning to be the voice actress for, uh, for a character like Goku. She, I think she might've been an original, like in Dragon Ball also. Mm-hmm. So I think she was for the entire thing. So it's like almost 40 years of Goku. Yeah. I mean the, the possibility you're just like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just, uh, I'll just try out for this. And then they're like, yeah, we want you to do this. And you're like, Oh, cool. It's a show. I don't know anything about. Maybe it'll go like a season or two. And then 40 years later, you're coming back to it. <laughs> To, to continue voice acting that character that's just great <laughs> so uh i don't know should we bring up people up to speed who may not be in the know on what the premise of my hero academia is yeah absolutely so, yeah I'll, I'll pass one of this one on to you okay so my hero academia is the story of well i don't want to just say it's the story of the main character but it's a story of uh, a group of students at a school who exist in a world where 80 percent of the population have these superpowers called quirks 
And the story details uh, one particular character. His name is uh, Izuku Midoriya and his rise from a uh, quirkless individual, which is the other 20% of the uh, population, to becoming the greatest hero across the globe. Yeah. And everything that goes along with that. Yeah. And side note, the reason he uh, he is explaining that it is not, you know, it's more about the group because this show does one thing that a lot of other media don't haven't always done in this medium is highlight a group more so than just the main character. Like Midori is not the main focus of this entire series. He has he's like a main plot point, but Mm -hmm. they do a really good job at actually developing every other character around him and that he encounters. He's definitely not your generic shonen protagonist, you know, and they he does. They do share the the uh, limelight with the uh, rest of the cast equally in a way that doesn't detract from the main narrative. Yeah. So like the you'll have what other what other shows would would have like filler episodes like uh expanding the the backstory of a particular character but it's something that's not really necessary or doesn't really further the plot. Every time they do that in this show, it's like directly related to the main narrative and it's important and it it just it furthers the story without detracting from it. Well, most of the time it's already it was actually it was in print to begin with. Like the mm-hmm. the big thing about the show is they don't these sh- like animes moved away from the approach how it was back in the day because before it was just they made a show and it aired every single week mm-hmm. except for maybe breaks they take for like maybe some sort of sports event or something like that but other than that that's the reason why a lot of filler would happen is because it would get ahead because it's still being serialized they wouldn't wait for it to be finished they'd want to capitalize it and make a video version so it's exactly what happened with full metal alchemist and why they had to go back and make brotherhood which was and that's what they're doing the same thing with Fruits Basket. Mm-hmm. Uh, that when they made that one season of that show, it was still it was only like a few years old and it was still going. Now they're now the story's over. Now they're redoing it, and they also got the majority of the original VA cast back for it too. Mm-hmm. So and it's and it's actually because we because Callie and I watched the original season and we're watching this new one. The animation is so much better. The story's better, and just the way. Knowing the way they change things in the originals, like that's pretty weird when they take creative license to do like these little one offs mm-hmm. and then just leave you reeling. But, you know, going back and telling the entire story is always awesome. Um, point of reference for everybody listening. Uh, I I watch more anime than I consume manga. So everything that I speak of will be in the context of the anime and uh, not the actual manga itself. Well, I've only read ahead after a certain point in season mm-hmm. four. So yeah, I'm I'm not too I've I've I only read to get ahead. I'm still gotta read the rest of it that came before where I'm at because I, I think I started reading it like volume like 17 or something like that. You know, this is something that I've never uh, gotten clarification on because I've never cared to ask. But is it manga or manga? It's it's manga. Okay, that, that's how the Japanese would say it. Some people pronounce it manga. Yeah, it, it's like when people say Naruto instead of Naruto. Yeah. Okay, that irks me, but the the manga manga thing is just like I don't know. But I think my manga. brain just overrides and says whatever is uh whatever's appropriate for, for your vernacular at the time. Yeah. Whatever my mouth feels like me. Do, do I feel like making an A or an ah? <laughs> That's which one. I think comes it's just out. like when you listen to like Japanese language if you're listening to it, the way mm. they enunciate things like they have the, there's a lot of rules to their language. Definitely. Yeah. The reason I was talking about uh, how it's serialized is 
they don't do it just every week. They have been approaching it in traditional season format like you would see over here in out west. Mm-hmm. So they're not bogging it down with filler. And the few filler episodes actually have a purpose. Like there was that episode. Because uh, we'll go back to the beginning of the story. But when he's doing the um, what is it called? The was it jobs? The journalist or the no, 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 no. The uh, was the, the work studies. Or was I, it no? I no, it was the university. Call- it was it was uh, it was those internships they did that the entire class did. Oh, dude, I don't they, really call those filler. For, as from my no, point no, of view, no, 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 only no, one I'm, filler I'm, episode. I'm not saying, no, that's what I'm saying. The filler episode. It's the one where he's with Grant Torino, and then they mm-hmm. do everybody else's internship. Mm-hmm. That's a filler episode. I looked it up, but it's it makes sense. It's not like filler, like oh, this is just something we're throwing in to pass the time. It's hey, this is what everyone else is doing aside from our main character. And then any other filler is just like kind of like thrown in to pad out an episode if a chapter doesn't fill an episode. See, that's why that's why I feel like that's not filler, you know, because no, it's, it's really just expanding on the rest of the cast. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, technically to, speaking, yeah, yeah, compared yeah, to the filler, source material, but compared to the source mat- material, yes, it's filler, but it doesn't feel but like it's filler. Not. that's that's where my hero does it really well. Yeah. And there's only like a couple episodes mm-hmm. anyway. And I think the only other filler episode was that. um was it save the world with love or something episode? It was mm-hmm. that bank robbery one that was really cheesy. That was just like a tie into the first movie. Yeah, but that was necessary. Well, yeah, they had, they had to kind of it. said, "Hey, we're gonna go it do like, this." It was like backdoor pilot for the movie. Yeah, <laughs> which they didn't do for the second movie, which is kind of disappointing. They didn't need to. The first yeah, one came true. out, and everybody was like, "Yeah, we like this." Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it does. It does a really good job of, uh, you know. Not trying to pad things out just to capitalize on mm-hmm. its own franchise. It's it, it's actually good in its own merit. And it's also the pacing. I think the pacing of how they release seasons is good, too, because they're making sure the animation's quality and just everything about it flows perfectly. Yeah. Also, I mean, we get the, you know, classic veterans from Funimation doing the dub. I mean, Christopher Sabat is all might. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one, Sabbath Sabbat. I've heard it both ways, and I don't know which one's accurate. I've heard I've heard it from him, and it's Sabbat. Okay, it, we we actually watched that in the bonus features of the My Hero movie, the first one. Oh, and he introduced himself as Christopher Sabbat, and I was like, "There it man, is." Names Straight are weird. The mouth. But yeah, Chris Sabbat is uh, <laughs> above and beyond my favorite voice actor of all time. Well, he basically is half of Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is the reason that I am dub over subs always. Yeah. Like I mean, I can get down with subs, but as soon as I, as soon as they're like, yeah, it's a Funimation dub, I'm like, I don't care. I'm, like, I'm going him, for that. Him and dub. Justin Cook, if they're in a show, I'm like, yeah, I'm watching this one. Mm-hmm. I think it's just because it's you know, I think when they've done such iconic work, it's hard not to try to consume everything that they've done. I mean, like to me, like with Justin Cook, the Yu Yu Show dub is by far like I would say that dub is just perfection. Hmm. just in the way they approached it. And it's just like, and it's crazy. Cause like when I rewatched that one, I, um, it was the, they actually, it was a remastered one. So they re redubbed it. But, uh, just thinking about it, I was like, man, it's really impressive watching it back in the day, thinking about it then. And I found out that when he did that show, like he directed the ADR for that show too, as well as started it. And he was only like, he was younger than us. Like I saw his age once. And I think of the, I did the math correctly. He was like 19 or 20. When they did that series. Mm-hmm. And then now, you know, obviously years later, you know, oh, Christopher Sabat's in that, too, because he's Kuwabara. And now they're both in this. I mean, he's all my I mean, Christopher Sabat's all my and then Justin Cook is uh, Kirishima. 
think so. I don't know. I don't yeah, really that's, track that, it. that's who he is. So yeah, anyways, back to what my hero's <laughs> about. We keep trailing off because we're super excited to be doing this segment. <laughs> so yeah, so it starts out with Izuku Midoriya. He's born quirkless. And all this time, like when he's a kid, he thinks, because you have up to a certain age before you are a hard your no. quirk. Yeah, isn't it like four or five or something like that? Or something like that. It's it's always particularly young when it comes to anime and manga. It's always like, oh, at like three years old, they've decided what they want to do with their life. And it's like, at three years old, I didn't form memories. <laughs> right? <laughs> they have full memory and capabilities. <laughs> but yeah, uh, b- prior to the the typical coming of age where your where your quirk would manifest in some way, he he obsessed over the 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 character. Uh, all Might, you know, he was he's the Superman, the he's the number one hero, the perfect hero, the the idol, the symbol of peace, as they call him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when he hits the age of where, you know, it's the cutoff, it's just a hard no for him. He's mm-hmm. there's no quirk, but he's still determined to be a hero. So while he's growing up, he is constantly taking notes on every hero he can. Mm hmm. He's okay. not you're, he's not a generic protagonist where he's an idiot savant. He's he's just a kid who put all of his effort into uh learning into what it takes researching, to be a hero. researching uh like hero concepts and how he can be a hero without having a quirk. And then we have him, you know, like it's last year in middle school is when the story really picks up. Mm-hmm. Aside from him, we come across his best friend, kind of turned enemy, best but fl- best friend slash rival. Um, the Vegeta Katsuki, to his Kakarot. Yeah, Katsuki Bakugo, except he's not a complete piece of garbage in the beginning. Like yeah. he is, but not like Vegeta. <laughs> Vegeta's just power hungry, and he stays mm-hmm. that way. Like like late stage Vegeta. Like he's yeah. all about he's all about power and being the best. But it's it's from a virtuous source. But he got his quirk right away, and once he got his quirk, he kind of started being a terrible person, mm-hmm. and just kind of treating Midoriya like garbage. But you know. He kind they of accepted like a, yeah. a Darwinist mentality. You know, yeah. I am stronger, so I will be better. He also has anger issues, too, which mm-hmm. is a kind of a part of the plot of his character development. But yeah. And, you know, once they reach the age, high school age, they both apply to UA high school. Which is the superhero high school, the the top one, the the number one spot. It's like getting into a, an Ivy League school. And it's also very diverse. They have a general studies course. They have a business course. They have a they have a tech course. That's what I appreciated about this show when I first saw it. It was is that they they approached it from a like and not everybody's if 80 percent of the population has superpowers, not all of them are going to be practical for like doing superhero stuff, you know, so there's people who are in in these other courses. Uh, well, they they share the spotlight with more realistic applications of of quirks and superpowers and stuff. So there's people who aren't out here trying to fight villains. There's people who are just trying to like use it. Like there's a person who can just project water, right? And he's like, yeah. I'm gonna be a firefighter, you know? Yeah. He's not that's- a superhero, but that is so relevant. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just a noble job. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. gonna be a firefighter. All right. It's, it's, it's a it's a good way to approach, you know, not the generic. We have an ensemble cast of people who are just kicking butt all the time it's like no there's like engineers and mathematicians and all, all these other people. things yeah i mean it's just in kids who just are going to high school they don't have any you know they might want to get a normal job mm-hmm. you know but deku's determined to be a part of the hero course even though he doesn't have a quirk mm-hmm. and then 
trouble strikes one day when he is attacked by some weird amorphous mud creature. <laughs> and then that's it, when attacked we by meet. essentially the blob. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the blob. And then enter All Might. Mm-hmm. And we get a fun introduction to All Might. We see this kind of lanky deathly sickly looking guy walking out of a store he notices trouble and then his body inflates to a bodybuilder mm-hmm. it's it's uh who who do i equate that to because there's characters that do like similar stuff it's like it's master like a bruce roshi. banner transformation no, master roshi's like i say he's the originator of it because it's like mm-hmm. back in dragon ball he was like oh i'm skinny and then he's just like buffed up and you're mm-hmm. just like whoa what <laughs> when, he t- when he took out the moon or whatever yeah so, yeah so he while Midori is being attacked, All Might swoops in, saves the day, and he ends up trapping him in some sort of like. Oh, we we glazed over a very important part. Oh, we did. Yeah, when 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 the villain uh, starts uh, attacking everybody in the town, and he captures Bakugo. That happens after what? Yeah, no, oh, I'm talking about when he saves Midori. Returns. No, yeah, because yeah, right. so he saves Midori. Right. He puts him in a bottle, and then he jumps away because of his powers. He can just sort of hop and fly mm-hmm. and float. He, he Hulk leaps across town. Yeah, yeah, That's he how he Hulk travels. Leaps. Uh, Midoriya latches onto him and he's like, hey, can I talk to you? <laughs> he's like, what are you doing? Let go. If I let go, I'll die. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then, you know, big reveal. Yeah, well, this is a reveal. Well, he, the bottle drops. Oh, yeah. Big reveals later. See, I'm telling you, man, I do not perceive time <laughs> the same way that normal people do. Yeah, unless I don't know if they reveal. I, I think it might drop. And then we find out like they figured out later. But yeah, um, they end up on a building. And then the big reveal is All Might isn't what he used to be. Mm-hmm. He's pa- he's definitely past his prime. And that's that's when we get a uh, better look at uh, at anorexic might. Yeah. <laughs> this is what he looks like. Small might. Yeah, small might. Yeah. And he sh- he reveals an injury that he got at uh, what he refers to as one of the biggest battles of his life mm-hmm. and he just can't hold his all might form for you know more than a few hours and then he was you know he was doing some heroing earlier in the day so he's already like at his limit of i can only do this for a couple hours a day he's at the right. tail end of that and then midoriya you know asks him he's like hey i don't have a quirk can someone like me be a hero and then of course the typical hero thing crushes his dreams mm-hmm. no you can't and he's like oh that sucks and then they just go about their day Meanwhile, that creature escapes again and then attacks Bakugo <laughs> and he's trying to fight him in an alleyway and there's spectators everywhere. And uh, well, we also find out his quirk. He he secretes a he's, fluid he's, from his body that uh, it's, it's akin to nitroglycerin. Yeah. So he can like and he, he produces he can ignite it. He, he produces sparks in some way that ignite the the his explosive sweat is the exact like biomechanics of it. So he has an explosive sweat and he can ignite it with like sparks or fire that uh, he generates in the palm of his hand. Because these quirks are awesome. <laughs> they <laughs> do a pretty the damn good job of explaining them all too. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and he's being he's being consumed by this blob and the Midoriya stops by. So what does he do without thinking? He's like, oh no, my best friend is going to die. So he runs in to save him. And then you realize the aptitude of... Midoriya's tactical capabilities mm. because he he comes up with this plan. He's like, okay, in, do this. In the this, time it took this. him to charge about twenty yards, he he con- he concocted a, a strategy to combating a particular villain he's never seen before. 
Yeah. And then he he approaches, tries to like dig him out. And Bakugo being terrible, he's like, what are you doing? Because he 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 refuses to accept a quirkless dude saving him. Mm-hmm. And then All Might swoops in and saves the day again. Yeah. All Might was inspired by this this quirkless boy charging into into the fire to rescue someone. He was like, uh, if he can do that, then I can push past my limit. And then, you know, he does this whole thing where he's like bleeding from his mouth. And he's like, I'll go past my couple hours a day and save the day. Yeah. And then, you know, it's the end of the day. And then, you know, Midori is obviously thanking him. And then All Might turns around. He's like, hey, you know what I said before about you not being able to be a hero without a quirk? He says, you can. And then we get the big reveal. All Might was born quirkless. Mm-hmm. And his power is known as one for all. A, a power, power that has been passed, passed down, down through the generations. Yeah. From one holder to the next with each person cultivating the power and increasing its magnitude and then passing it on to a worthy successor. Yeah, and then from then on, he just basically says, yeah, you can be a hero. I'll help you. And, and that is your introduction to My Hero Academia. Yeah, I think it's a... Uh, I don't think I want to touch on the plot any more than that and just ruin it for anybody who hasn't like watched any of it. Because that's like a good introduction. You know, it does spoil like the first couple episodes, sure. But like, there's still so much meat to consume after that. That's true. I mean, we could just, you know, spoil this mm-hmm. information for the second and third half parts so yeah so on that note uh time for that water break water break Mm -hmm. best part of the show and we're back hope you guys enjoy that water we are talking about the importance of my hero academia one of our favorite shows of all time so you want to talk about how it uh how it functions as a like a a gen like a generational bridge you know because there's like there's all the old heads who grew up watching the older classic animes and now there's like a younger generation that's growing up watching stuff like this and there's like vast similarities between the two well it's also you know they don't have that much of a primer like their you know starter pack for shows is like the stuff that came out after way after we got into it i mean Mm -hmm. you know watching anime for over 20 years it's yeah, this is the. This I'm almost is, jealous. Like, like their 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 intro to anime is stuff like My Hero. I'm like, what? That's not fair. <laughs> it's like we got Dragon Ball Z, mm-hmm. and then you know once you know once that took off and Funimation started getting more licenses and stuff like that. I mean, we could really credit it to Cartoon Network. Mm-hmm. Cartoon Network, you know, came through when it you know came to introducing us to the anime. I mean, on Toonami, and then. You know, once Adult Swim happened and they had an Adult Swim on Saturdays when it was just anime. Watch so much good stuff from that. Yeah, it is kind of like a generational gap because it's. It's you can see the progression of where animes come from in this show, because it's like, you know, there's so many different you can you can tell that the creator loves. All this kind of content like his, Mm. I think I think his favorite I think his favorite uh, series are like One Piece and Naruto, 
which I mean, there's a lot of series that are like, you know, inspired by those. Cause it, like I said, it's like around the time it's like, that was like a second, right? Like that, you know, like one piece, Naruto and bleach was kind of like a second round for certain influences. Cause it's like, you know, mm-hmm. those are just, you know, those are essentially just really knockoffs of Dragon Ball Z. I mean, not complete yeah. knockoffs, but like that and Yu Yu Hakusho, that's, you know, you can see, you can see where the influence comes from. Yeah, definitely. So like, uh, even so far as to say, like, um, the concept of, uh, the 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 protagonist having like a ridiculous uh appetite you know yeah like goku naruto i'm pretty sure luffy, uh, has, luffy a, has a ridiculous a ridiculous appetite. appetite well it's I, I like that he's influenced by that but it's not in the main character you know midori is yeah. not the one that's eating a ridiculous uh mountain of rice it's it's uh sugar rush over there eating <laughs> well, all, an insane amount everything. of yeah <laughs> insane amount of sugary sweets but so it's it's nice to see that the kind of like bleeds over into this show like it, it definitely shows you where where he was inspired well we're also moving past you know the journey to the west influence mm-hmm. as, for much those as, of, as much for as those of you it. don't know journey to the west is one of the classic chinese novels mm-hmm. that was really informative to toriyama when creating dragon ball it's literally the original dragon ball series is just it's a blend it, of the journey to the west and superman those are his exact uh yeah influences and then you know he kind of combined his like comedic sensibilities and his ridiculous art style (laughs) i love it so much (laughs) yeah he definitely had a unique art style Mm. but yeah it's yeah it's definitely interesting to see like younger kids because i mean they have an entire history they get to go through i mean we had you know we were limited to whatever you know the internet could allow us to reach whatever the uh the major networks graced us with when they selected stuff to put on their uh on their uh oh, yeah, or, or what or what people could license i mean you mm-hmm. know that probably was you know a process licensing all these shows to be dubbed i mean just i mean that alone especially if you don't know what's going to do well but i think the biggest thing with my hero academia is just the mechanics of this world in general like this is a world that i wish existed yeah I mean, with, it's very well thought out with all the danger that would come with it. It's it's something that I would embrace wholeheartedly, no matter what aspect, what what chunk of the population I fell into. Right. You know, you got superheroes everywhere. Everyone's mm. a superhero. And even if they don't want to be like 80 percent of the world with powers. Also, the detail they go into the variety of different powers, like there's, there's a power for everything. Mm-hmm. it's not the generic oh this person shoots lasers from their eyes this person can fly this person can has super strength no we get like tape quirk uh, oh Hunt, uh, Hunt yeah his, <laughs> el- his elbows are I- tape guns that the, are infinite the spider-man of their world projects sticky tape from his elbows <laughs> yeah or take Uraka's quirk hers is um she can manipulate gravity but it's they put the necessary limits on it. It's only something that she has come into contact with, and it may, and she has to like maintain focus to keep it weightless. Yeah. Otherwise, if she overuses it, she pukes rainbows. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when oh, when I first saw her do that, I was like, "Oh, that's what this character is. She's the <laughs> cute one." <laughs> Also, I, I also like how it's like they made her the obvious love interest, mm-hmm. but they don't they don't shoehorn romance all over the place in this series. Like it's almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's also it's a really it's cool almost work. like accurate teenage romance, you know? Yeah, like, well, I mean, this is the probably the best depiction of real life teenagers I've ever seen in an anime. Mm-hmm. But yeah, back to the quirks. I mean, I'm just see I I 
you know, there's creative powers, and then there's just stuff where it was like, that's just cool. Like um, Asui, she just has the cap- She has the capabilities of a frog. I, I in love every that, sense. I love that every time a new quirk is introduced, it's typically like present Mike introducing it, which I love. By the oh way. yeah, and and then he has like the best the best generalizations, the best concise way of the, describing what these people can do. So like in the case of Froppy Suyu Asui, he's like her quirk is. Uh, I forget the exact name of it. And then he's like, basically, she does frog. (laughs) Her quirk is frog. And she basically does everything a frog does. I'm like, that's it. And then you think that that's not like that. It's not pertinent. It's not really ridiculous until you see her use it in action. Yeah. And then you're like, if I could be a frog, she's probably one of the best. She's probably one of the best characters to have on your team. If you're in a situation. Actually, let's get into present Mike. Present Mike. Present Mike has that power of. I, I call it the power of authoritative voice. Yeah, he has that like <laughs> voice amplification. Typically, what like a siren power would be, but he's mm. just obnoxious, and that's really that's kind of the joke with him because we never really get to see him in action. But that's literally him. He's just loud and is just uses his voice. He is the epitome of a front man for a band. Yeah, except he don't need no mic. <laughs> yeah, that's true because he is Mike. <laughs> yeah, there's just there's just so many, and I think the crazy thing is like I don't. I can't recall a show that has so many main characters you see often. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. Cause there's just a lot, of, there's just a lot of students in this one class that you have to account for. And they all have some sort of significance. I mean, you have the weird, you kind of have the weird things like a uh, Mineta. Who's like one of my favorite characters. He, he is hands down my favorite character. And it's just because everyone hates him so much. Yeah. He's like, he's like the creepy pervy kid. Who's like always oh, trying to like creep yep. on the girls in the class, and his he's, quirk is ridiculous. He's he's the kid that's in in Porky's, you know, screwing a hole through a wall and peeping into the girls' locker room. That's yeah, Minetta. Yeah, that's him. He's also like super short. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a he has kind of a lisp, which makes him sound even creepier. Mm-hmm. Is and his quirk is <laughs> grape rush. His quirk is grape rush. No, no, that's that's his ultimate move. What I swear it's called grape rush. I don't. I don't. We have so. we have this right in front of us. Yeah, we. <laughs> I was going to take a second just to confirm this. He's fact-checking me. It's right there. Minoru Mineta. Yeah, Minoru Mineta. You have oh. to scroll down. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it's called Grape Rush, if I'm not mistaken. That's a narrative, buddy. You just need the overview. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, he has these these orbs that grow from the top of his head. And uh, he can remove them. And whatever he attaches them to, aside from himself, they stick to and there's like no way to remove them. But he also rebounds off of them like they were bouncy balls. So he can place them in two areas and he can bounce back and forth between them. So it's called pop off pop off because it, it pops is. off his head. Yeah, if, pop- he pull, if he pulls too many off, his head bleeds. <laughs> it's called pop off. <laughs> but yeah, no, you, and you find out like he is he's sometimes the most useful mm-hmm. quirk in a situation at some points like because you're thinking like oh he just has like these sticky balls that come from his head and no he's like handling like groups of villains with this one little thing it's definitely like it's a it's a very fun lackadaisical like almost comedy relief quirk but when you see its practical application it's it's an adhesive that people can't unbind you know so he's excellent at detaining people Uh, he's also great at assist with that yeah so like even even the 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 perce- the perceived weakest characters have this 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 definite impact in in the uh, in the world and in the narrative. 
Yeah, and then you also have... Uh, but uh, real quick, yes, he is my favorite character because everyone hates him. And I have this running <laughs> joke with my friend Preston. Shout out, Preston. <laughs> that he's going to get a redemption arc and everyone that hates him is going to love him. And you're just going oh, to have to eat it's it. It's probably going to happen. <laughs> yeah, but we also see... Um, it's definitely interesting the kinds of history a lot of the other students kind of show... Like we have, we don't see all of them, but there are two students in particular. Um, let's see, uh, Shoto Todoroki and um, Momoyaya Rozu. Mm-hmm. They were both got into UA through, on, recommendation. on recommendation. They didn't have to do because there's a trial that they have to do to get in the hero course. They were just pure recommendation, and they they show their, the aptitude for their quirks and being a hero is on point. Todoroki's uh, power is half hot, half cold, mm-hmm. because both of his parents, well. Start off, his dad's the number two hero, Endeavor, and his quirk is a fire quirk. His mother's quirk is an ice quirk. That literally split in half at birth for him. One side One side of his body hot. produces ice and one side produces flames. Yeah. And the the I don't want to like go into the the eugenics his father was practicing to create the ultimate quirk wielder, but it, it creates a situation where he can generate so a little bit on how these quirks are you know, restrained in the in the realm of reality. You know, if he produces too much heat, you know, his body's gonna become exhausted and he's gonna like die of like heat exhaustion. But if he produces too much cold and he'll he'll go into like hypothermia. So he can use the two in tandem to create to maintain a level of homeostasis while he's doing absurd bullshit. Yeah. I, and that's that's the other good thing is you know they they put the necessary limits on all these powers. Mm. I think the only OP powers are like literally just the villains and that makes it harder for the heroes which makes it even better because they actually have to figure it out instead of just mm-hmm. luck out every single time but yeah and then uh yaya rose who her um her quirk is creation creation she can manifest any <laughs> object that she is um what is it uh, any object that she understands if she the, understands uh, the properties basic properties of, of it yeah. she can create so if you need some like if you need a wrench she can create a wrench just kind of, uh, what was it? The lipids in her body, uh, like, uh, so, like, create the solid mass of the object. I think is how they described it. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, like, it's only produced from her skin. So mm-hmm. she, her hero costume is a really skimpy outfit because she needs to be able to manifest these she items. Needs, she needs as much exposed surface material as possible to create the larger objects. And then there's a uh, Tenya Ida. Mm-hmm. Who's like he's he's like the straight laced good student type, but uh, his quirk um, I forgot what it's called, but he he basically is a flash, except a really weird form because he has <laughs> instead of just being really fast, he has literal engines in his legs. Yeah, engines with tailpipes, <laughs> and that's where his super speed is. And then I remember you brought up his like his quirk. It's it's good like, thing they don't take it seriously physi- yeah. physics wise because he literally just kicked people's faces off yeah it's like this man has shown several times to be outpacing most terrestrial vehicles when he uh when he like tries and uses his signature move and the the basic premise behind that is like you think about it like have you ever been hit in the face with an object going plus 80 plus miles an hour any anything with mass greater than like a softball so like a softball injury and like or a baseball injury in baseball, but like I don't anything like larger than that. Wind in my face, right? So if you take something the size of a human calf or a foot or whatever, and you collide that into someone's face going that fast, they're just dead. That head's gone. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, there's there there's so many other quirks. You guys just got to watch the show to really get all of them. Characters and and in any hero medium, the speed character is always interesting because it's like, how are you going to make the physics work for this one, buddy? <laughs> they also have really <laughs> weird personalities for the most part. Yeah. But uh, also, we also get a lot of interesting teachers too. Like we talked about present Mike, um, Aizawa is definitely their homeroom he, teacher. He's like the he's like the Kakashi. But he lit- he literally acts like he doesn't care about these dudes. Like it's hard for him to actually care for real. Like Kakashi always had that. Like I'm hard on him, but I love him. As I was like, I guess I can. I guess you're cool sometimes. Mm-hmm. But he has probably the best quirk of all. Um, he's got, well, his hero name's Eraser or Eraserhead because Eraser with his eyes, one look at you cancels out quirks. Mm-hmm. He is. Uh- Possibly one of the m- most dangerous quirk wielders because his his whole thing is just shutting down your quirk. Whatever advantage you have, you just don't have it now. But they also have that he, he has to keep focus. Mm-hmm. There's a drawback. Like if somebody's coming out from behind him, they can still use a quirk. Mm-hmm. If he catches you in eyesight, you're good. But, you know, that's why he is. He's, he's very good at controlling his environment. Mm-hmm. And then this is a principal, Nezu, who's he's this sort of like hybrid mouse rat dog cat thing who's he's he's a he's a um what's the word not androgynous um ambiguous he's an he's an ambiguous creature that that because apparently it's not just humans that that can have these quirks he was a creature that was born with a quirk that uplifted its sentience to the point of like human levels oh yeah that's true and his quirk is I don't even remember if there was a name for it, but he's literally like the smartest being on the planet. He calculates probabilities. Yeah. And and that sounds kind of vague, but think of it like a domino effect. Like if he tips over one thing here, it collides with this thing. And there's this chain reaction that creates a, a much greater effect than what the initial source was. He can literally set up an entire scheme to just ruin your day. Mm. And it'll be like, oh, hey, <laughs> What happens if I drop this marble here and then your house explodes? Yeah, he plays dominoes with the world, which we see a really awesome display of that. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny because he's like the the nicest character in the entire show. Mm-hmm. And he seems super humble, even though he's like the most dangerous compared to everybody. <laughs> I wonder how something like that would work on like if uh, if Aizawa tried to shut it down, because it's not really like an expressed quirk. It's just his brain. <laughs> I don't know if he looked at him and used it. It makes him like temporarily dumb or it temporarily reverts him to like uh, animal level intelligence or or, or he already (laughs) set something up in case I tries to pull something. He's going to be like, oh, you're going to do that. He is that kind of smart. Yeah. And then then we have uh, Miss Midnight, (laughs) the uh, the fan service (laughs) teacher over sexualized Mm -hmm. and just kind of weird in general. She has a really interesting personality. I forgot what her quirk is. So uh, see it all that so, often. so her quirk, I don't know the name of it, but the effect is her skin produces a um it's a, like a will. It's not it's not constant. Her skin produces an aroma that renders people uh uh unconscious. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and it's it's she it's it's visualized as like a uh like a like a pink mist. That's that's why you remember it as a mist. But um uh she basically secre- secretes pheromones that render people incapable of like acting and uh because it requires her it's like momo yayorozu's quirk it requires her skin to be revealed her initial hero costume was essentially a belt and a trench coat which she just would throw off and be like all right time to fight because the more skin she has exposed the more 
Oh yeah, and and that and that's revealed in the spinoff series of Vigilantes, which mm-hmm. is only in manga form. Yeah, there's just so many, so many interesting quirks. They're just so well thought out, and it's just I, I always wonder like. What does the team do when they're like, we need to come up with these quirks? And they're just like, all right, guys, I got this idea. I appreciate that with all the variety they have, there are very few examples of people having like the exact same quirk. And if they do, it's still different. Like the closest the closest resemblance we have is between two students who have a um, a, a a kind of generic, you know, like brawler type ability where one student uh, toughens up his his flesh to to the to basically the density of rock and it enables him to be a very potent hand to hand combatant. There's another oh, Kirishima. Uh, yeah. There's another student. <laughs> there's Kirishima who does it like rock. And then there's another student. Tetsu, 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 Tetsu. Yeah. That's his full name. It's Tetsu, 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 Tetsu. Oh my goodness. But yeah, he does the same thing, but with metal and uh, they don't really explain why one's not really tougher than the other, but that's that's the closest similarity you get in between two people. I bet they be, I bet they, I bet they become best friends down the line oh, somehow definitely. or something like that. Probably create a ridiculous superhero duo. <laughs> right. Stuck between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> <laughs> that's the joke. <laughs> like, what do you do when these two are coming at you? <laughs> that's probably the joke they're trying to make with that, and they're just mm-hmm. not revealing it yet. They're gonna be like. Someone's going to make the joke. It's like they handle somebody's like, oh, they were stuck between a rock and a hard place. I love the character development between those two, those two, because it represents who they are as individuals. You know, they're these they're these, they're these tough macho types. You know, they don't think to think to uh, think too many things through and they're just all action, you know, so that you have these two characters. And at one point they're pitted against each other and they realize they're so similar at first. They're like, this guy's ripping off my style and all my everything that I'm about. And then they fight, knock each other unconscious, wake up and arm wrestle to figure out uh, who Who's won the stronger. fight. Because if that ain't the most macho thing ever. <laughs> and then after that, they like they form this friendship. You know, it's kind of like how a lot of boys when they were younger, they like they fought their friends. And that's why they have such a strong friendship. It's like that. It is the very macho man mode character. And it's expressed in in their narrative just because of how quickly they can be like, we're enemies. All right, we're friends. So like you can yeah. see the whole Vegeta and Kakarot fighting each other, and then now they're buds. That's in that influences. Uh, That's what Goku forces all of his enemies to be friends with him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just sort of. It's kind of the point, but yeah. It's like Vegeta just sort of accepted it. Mm-hmm. He's just got to. His only goal is to be stronger than him. Yeah, so you definitely see that influence in more than one relationship in the show. Absolutely, my by far my favorite quirk is uh, Tokuyami's quirk dark shadow it is it is which is really strange uh tokiyami he's kind of this hybrid like bird he's he's like a reference to um akira toyama's work he's he's a person with like an anthropomorphic bird head yeah he's just got a bird head but what comes out of him is this shadow (laughs) being he manifests a bird-shaped shadow entity called Dark Shadow. Yeah, who's more powerful the darker it gets. And mm-hmm. we see how intense that gets. Like, since he can't control it, if that thing goes crazy, it can take out probably most of the strongest pros mm-hmm. with how ridiculously powered this thing is. I mean, he did take out one of the top-tier villains single-handedly. Like, it was nothing. Yeah, it wasn't he, It was Dark Shadow freaking out. So... 
when he's when he when he's in when it's during, when he's in darkness or it's the nighttime and he uses his quirk which he tries to avoid because he doesn't have a good handle on controlling it when he when he's rendered in danger because this this entity has its own has a mind of its own and it functions in a way that is intended to protect uh why can't I remember his name Tokoyami so something endangers him it's one of the more dangerous villains and it Dark Shadow expands, you know, in the darkness. It's almost like he consumes the darkness around him to become more potent. But he expands and engulfs Tokoyami and becomes this giant bird creature that's just rampaging through some woods. And one of the most dangerous, not the most, but one of the more dangerous villains is like, I'm going to mess this kid up. And Dark Shadow literally says, you don't matter. And just bitch smacks him out of the way. He's just like, nope, bye. <laughs> One shots this guy casually. And it's, it's like. Wow, this kid is actually like a threat. No <laughs> wonder he completely avoids being in the dark. <laughs> yeah, because he can't control it yet. He's also an interesting character because he's like he's like a nice twist on the uh, typical edge lord. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or whereas every everybody knows what those edge lords are. Those people are like, oh, I live in the darkness and blah 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 and all that crap. Uh, he he's always like when when represented with an idea. Or like when asked for an idea on what they could do as a class, he's like, "How about a uh, a mad banquet in the of the darkness and stuff?" <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, "God, his character, dude." Um, I think another thing I like about the show is uh, just the mechanics on how superheroes are handled. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you, you have a school for it. I mean, they're celebrities, but they're also employed by the government to handle things. Yeah, they had to regulate it in a way. Otherwise, it'd be ridiculous. So there's the, there's these whole arcs about getting like provisional heroing licenses. It's like getting a license for a car. You know, yeah. you have a learner's permit before you get a license. And then like, well, there's well, there's two stages of permits, but it's it's like that. And you can't, be, you can't just be out here heroing without that. Yeah, it's, it's illegal to use your powers. Mm-hmm. Even if you're helping people, it's still a crime. Which the students deal with on numerous occasions before, because I mean, they're still in school and you know, what would the story be without villains? So obviously they do hero stuff and they get punished for it, but. Well, yeah, because it needs to be handled mm-hmm. in a certain way. Cause you can't have everybody just like going around being a hero. That wouldn't make sense. Hmm. Definitely not. Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think it's just like a, you know, it's a really interesting. You don't really get that many stories where, Hey, everyone's got powers. What what's going on with that? I think the closest thing to that I can think of is the uh, the uh, Marvel Comics mutant concept. Because uh, the, the well the mutant co- well I mean yeah you, you do you just don't know by like that phrasing the mutant concept is is the whole oh is it oh just like X Men in general yeah, where yeah. it's like just there are mutants just all over the place of people who happen to be born with superpowers that's the mutant concept. Except this yeah. is the opposite of that. Yeah, there's an amount of people it's, it's who like, happen to be bored you know and they funny? don't have powers. It's literally like My Hero Academia is just the polar opposite of a combination of X-Men and Watchmen. You know, X, mm-hmm. in Watchmen, they had like made that law. No, superheroes are illegal. X-Men, mm-hmm. it's like it's almost like a it's like a race war scenario. Rare, it's like, yeah. oh, the super powered. We got to, you know. And keep it's them the away. Entire, it's, it's the it's the polar opposite. Yeah, it's the so if you have superpowers, you're in the limelight because there's so many of you. And or, it's just or you're like just a, average, a normal function. Yeah, or it's just like a normal function of life. You know, like what's Midoriya's mom's quirk? She can like levitate she, things. She can lightly. Light, she can lightly levitate small objects 
it, it towards her, specifically towards her, as as far as I'm oh, aware. Oh yeah, like she she could be like, oh, the remote's on the other side of the room, and grab it with her mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good quirk, though. Like I, honestly, and, and didn't it, uh, <laughs> didn't she say her dad's or his dad's was like a petty like like a, he, he can make sh- small flames. He could either produce small flames or he could breathe small flames. I can't remember like what that. it was. He's he's not around. There's nothing crazy. Why is his dad not around? They, I don't think they've explained that yet. Hmm. My assumption's well, dead. Yeah. But that's always that's always just the assumption. As soon as she explained his his father's quirk, though, I liked everyone's fan theories that came out of nowhere. They're like, oh, he's somehow related to Endeavor because it's a fire quirk. And I'm yeah. like, mm, I don't think he'd go that route. But. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's uh I don't know. I guess I'll have to I'll have to read more ahead. Mm-hmm. Just to figure out if they actually explain that. And I'm I only will, so far ahead. I will agonizingly wait patiently. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't like, you know, turned turned my little collection to a little library. I, well, I don't want to read it. I don't want to. I don't want to read past anything that's not dubbed yet. That's true. Yeah. I can see that. And and I know myself. I know as soon as I start, I won't stop. I'll 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 attach to it like I attach to comics. I, mean, I have a sense. whole fucking stack of paperbacks. That's why I like. That's why I particularly collect paperbacks, like trade paperbacks, the collection collected editions, because like I've done it once before and like a little I'm going to digress here a little bit. But a friend of mine works at a comic shop. And when I was first getting into comics, it was during the whole uh, battle world arc in, uh, in in Marvel Comics. And they had all these concurrent running storylines that I was interested in all these characters I want. I was like, I want uh they have this the system where they it's called a pull list where you create you're like, I want this, 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 and this storyline, and they pull all the individual ones for you as they come out and they put it in a little bag, you show up, pay for it, get your stuff. And I was like, I want this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. He's like, you don't want to overload yourself. Like I know you can afford it and I know like you you feel like you have the time for it, but you don't want to do that. And he knew me better than I knew myself, apparently. Because as soon as I got one, I was like, I can't wait for the next one. And if I took that approach and I approached manga, I'd spoil every every single thing for myself and I would hate it. So Greg's side story. <laughs> I, I, I like the My I think I just I, I think I like their approach to serialization more than like typical American comics. Mm hmm mainly because i just like maybe it's because like when i because when i first got into manga it was uh shonen jump mm-hmm. when they started doing it in the states and i just like that whole idea it's like it's this entire book of just all these different stories that I was also, there's something about there's something that i like that they stick to black and white yeah it's, it's, it, it uh i don't know it sets it apart from from comics in a way that i appreciate also, I, also, I like I like how the collected works are always a consistent size. Hmm. It's like like a tankoban or whatever it's called, but like the collected works, it's always the same shape and size and the same amount of pages and chapters. And it's just like when you line them up, it just always looks great. It's it's very aesthetically pleasing. Yes. <laughs> it's very aesthetic, especially with the My Hero one because like all the all the covers are different colors, mm-hmm. so you just see all these different yeah. colors. It's like you see oh, a this rainbow looks so cool. of perfectly arranged books, it, like with with a <laughs> spine number and everything. It's like my dream. Like I'll just have like a library of manga. You just walk in. It's just like <laughs> everywhere you look. It's just it's perfect. <laughs> it's like that. Thing yeah, actually, I, I found out. Um, was it Frank Miller when he was writing Sin City? Mm-hmm. Apparently, that was inspired by Japanese manga and hard boiled detective novels. And he wanted to create a work that took all the things he liked about 
each medium and take out the things he perceived as flaws or things he didn't like. Oh. And so that and that's why that's why he that's why it's all in black and white except for those like bits of color in the mm. pages. And I was like, that is a really interesting premise because it was like he took like the manga style kind of, but he had that really like hardboiled noir aesthetic to you know where there's like a lot of like you know people in the shadows and like shady stuff going on. It's like or you know the heroes kind of like you know I don't even know if he's just an anti-hero if he's just terrible, but he's doing some sort of good for somebody. <laughs> But yeah, I, I I read ahead and I'm not too terrible. I, I I'm not terribly disappointed that I'm not further ahead. I mean, at that point, I'm just gonna get a. I'm just gonna apply. I'm just gonna buy the uh, subscription of the the Jump app and just read it every week. But I'm 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 not that far yet. Okay, I have things to occupy my time. Well, I'd say we rambled on for a good second session. Yeah. So should we take another water break? Absolutely. I'm I'm feeling a little parched. Yeah. <laughs> back all right back for some more superhero goodness yeah so we're gonna actually talk about the things we actually find really important about this series and the reason i say it's one of the most important works of our time is it is by far one of the most inspirational stories i've ever seen in anything Mm -hmm. it's definitely something that you can you can consume in whichever form and you can take something very valuable away from it yeah that's the thing i think the advantage of anime in general there's always life lessons to be learned you know, I think this is, you know, anime is the only medium where there's consistent dramatic drama in cartoon or, or animation. I don't mm. want to call them cartoons because that would be very disrespectful to the, <laughs> to the medium. But yeah, it's like, you know, you know, American cartoons. The point is entertainment and more laughs. comedy. Yeah, it's yeah. for laughs over there. They have something for everything. Cartoons are silly. Anime is lit. Well, you know how there's like a daytime drama or there's like a horror series or like an action series or like those CSI criminal mind type stuff. There's it's there's like, there's a show for everything. Yeah, it's like it's the equivalent of uh, there's an app for that. Yeah, there's, there's an, an anime for that. There's an anime for everything. It's it's not like oh, anime is only for like weebs who like watching sp- specific stuff. It anime is just a different medium all on its own that approaches every concept that any other medium can just as well. You know, if you want to watch an anime about uh, what are they called? The, the iske genre where the character gets sent to some other world. There's a whole chunk of animes and mangas for that. If you want to watch a slice of life thing, you want to watch something that's more romantic or even sports. Like there's, there's something for everyone in anime and manga. I, don't, I think the generic person just thinks we're all like, creepy dweeby types like it's, obsessing over our perfect waifus because 2d girls don't cheat i think it's because i mean that's hilarious <laughs> and on the inside i'm dying <laughs> but i think it's because you know how anime was introduced in the states you know it was just basically what we had on like toonami and such and so a lot of people's perception of it is like permanently skewed in that way so they don't really see all the all other, animes, all the either Dragon Ball Z or Sailor yeah, Moon. Yeah, that's what I was going to get at. It's all it's all that, you know, Monster of the Week type stuff or it's or it's Dragon Ball Z. That's how that's how people perceive it. You know, you take somebody who doesn't watch anime and you tell them about all these different shows like it. People that watch anime like I know there was this theme going around like, hey, uh, during this 
this uh, lockdown, you got to get your friends interested in anime. Well, do this. Describe a show without saying that it's an anime or describe a book without saying that it's a manga to someone and see if they're interested. If they do, if they're like, man, that sounds great. Where can I check this out? That's where you drop the bomb. And then they're like, wait a minute, anime does this? Yeah. That's how you get someone into it. Yeah, honestly, I would almost suggest My Hero as an introduction for everything now. But yeah, it's... uh, Think of it like you're pitching TV. So there's this thing where you can watch this stuff and, like, <laughs> yeah. and then give a narrative. But yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a whole medium. Along the way, there's a lot of core elements that everybody can adopt. You know, it's almost showing a world that we as a society should almost move towards. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see these heroes who are legitimate heroes. It's not, you're not bogged down by the same things that are plagued in American comics. Like, you know, mm-hmm. in American comics, why, why does every hero have to have a chip on their shoulder? You, yeah. you notice, you notice that from those kind of heroes, there's always is like, there's always some like tragedy behind whatever this person is that's plaguing their psyche. Mm-hmm. But over here, it's like these heroes, it's like, you know, it's just normalized. These are heroes. It's like, they're dedicated to protecting people on the on the opposite side of that coin. There's still a couple characters that have the chip on their shoulder. So, like, if that's the type of thing that you're interested in, this this show can approach that and and the. Yeah, but it's also it's also like the generic, like, you know, you find out Todoroki hates his dad. He's mm-hmm. got daddy issues. And it's those kinds of problems that yeah. you come across. It's not like the typical. It's not like, oh, when my power manifested, a million people died. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like, you know. You know, Bruce couldn't save his parents and becomes Batman, and mm. he's just been like holding on to that forever. But yeah, you you got these like genuine heroes, and it's just a normal thing. You know, there's no, it's not abnormal f- for them to be like that. Mm. You know, it, it's you we're so used to seeing these stories where they're these kind of like outlaws, and over here they're employed by the government. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're, they're celebrities, contracted workers. They're yeah, they're in contracted the workers. You know, but there's. There's, There's something to be said. Your 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 local grocer has a quirk and could fight villains. Yeah, if you really <laughs> wanted to. But you know, I think I think it goes without saying that All Might's character is the best example of all the heroes we've seen before him. But the difference is, is you know, there's not there's no nonsense attached to him mm. because when he started out, he had no quirk. And it was, you know, especially when you start finding out more about one for all and what it represents, it's like, man, if only we had something like that in reality that can be passed down to some sort of symbol for everybody. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, imagine all my president. You'd be voted in unanimously. Yeah. Except for people who just like aren't about it. (laughs) Uh, The people that aren't about it would be like uh, everyone who voted anti All Might would be like, oh, so you're in the villain league. Okay. (laughs) 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 It'd be so obvious. It's like, it's like, why wouldn't you vote for Superman as president? He's he's such a Mary Sue. He's a perfect character. Flawless. No villains. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want Superman as president? Villain. And then we see, you know, we see all the other heroes. And, and there's and there's a wide variety of personalities amongst these pro heroes too. It's not just everybody's not just like all I'm here to save everybody. No, like Endeavor is just wants to be number one. He's like power hungry, but he he doesn't cross that line to where he's almost a villain. Mm-hmm. 
Like he's he 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 has a he has a pride thing involved in it. He wants to be number one, but he but he wants to be number one at the best thing at at, at being a hero. So he's it just means that he's going to try harder than anybody else to save that life and protect that person. He's yeah. like, I'm I'm going to protect these people better than you can protect these people. That's that's endeavor. Yeah, and well, then you also have Hawks, who's being introduced now, and this is like kind of spoiler, but not. It's like you find out he's kind of really apathetic about being in the top in a top spot because mm-hmm. he was formerly number three. Now he's number two. Because, you know, he's a perfect example of somebody who doesn't care about the spotlight. He's he's doing this because what it's what he's meant to do. Yeah. And it's and it's, you know, from what I've read ahead, it's it's, you know, I don't know. It's just one of the things he does it because it makes sense. It's mm-hmm. not even a thing where it's like he doesn't care about getting noticed. I mean, you find out you find out his style of hero heroism is not like the typical like he's in and out quick. Yeah. Like, you almost wouldn't even know he's there. He just handles business. He's he's what. He's the efficient hero. He's the hero who's like, I'm here to save lives. I don't need to be flashy. I'm just like in out. All right, person safe. See you. Bye. Yeah. But but the real winning point is this is one of those rare series where main characters are teenagers and they're actually teenagers. Mm-hmm. They go through the same teenage problems that everybody else is going through. The only difference is they're all willing to die to save everybody, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy because he's like, you teenagers nowadays they'd be like nah i'm good teenagers with a heart of gold that's what they are yeah i mean it's like you know they're in high school to be superheroes i mean granted you know class 1a because there's multiple classes in the hero course they have to deal with a little bit more because you know when you get to the point where the league of villains happens because mind you crime is kind of down during this time and then it kind of has a upturn and a bunch of crazy stuff happens and all the kids kind of have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Like the pros have to deal with it, but because there's only so many pros, they have to shoulder, shoulder the burden of all this extra villainy because of a, a major plot point happening. It's also a good point to show that the older generation is very much aware. We have to prepare this next group of heroes one because of this big terror that's, forecasted but also the aptitude and capability that these students are showing are almost on par if not already surpassing some of these pro heroes yeah they make it a point to to say that several of the uh well a couple of the students from 1a and several of the students in the school in general are at or above licensed hero levels like they're just they're just just held back by the restrictions yep it's like this person could be an all-star hero right now they're just a teenager in high school also, I mean, generationally, the quirks also kind of evolve over time. Like, you know, you got some basic quirks for classic heroes mm-hmm. and then you get to these new ones and there's some, like just a bunch of really wild stuff. And you're like, what's going on here? It it kind of happens in every medium that has some sort of like augmented ability in a species. Um, so they have it's like this compounding effect. So they, they've expressed in my hero that quirks can that are, are primi- primarily inherited. And they can be blended amongst people. So let's go back talk about Bakugo for a second. We were talking about how he excretes uh, volatile sweat and he ignites it with with some sort of uh, primer that he generates. Well, it's it's his mother that has a quirk that can uh, generate this primer or, or is it backwards? Well, one of his parents can has has the quirk of where they have volatile sweat and the other one has the ability to generate the small primer. And those two quirks blended when they had their kid. 
And that's how Bakugo's quirk comes. That's about. how it made him dangerous. Yeah. So like the there's this compounding factor. It's like, well, what do you do when that person has kids with another person with a powerful quirk? That kid's even that that, that kid's a magnitude more dangerous. And then it just keeps compiling as the generation. Isn't pass. there some sort of like quirk chaos theory or whatever that yeah that quirks they, will get too powerful? They and- they have like a like an event horizon concept where like they're aware of this and they're like at some point there's going to be a generation of kids where they're when once their quirk manifests they're going to be like a global threat we already kind of see that with some mm-hmm. li- little kids that we see later on that has some mm-hmm. ridiculous quirks right off the bat <laughs> cannon tongue <laughs> <laughs> oh, your reaction to that was Francis. you're like wait what <laughs> i don't want to go any deeper into that i want you to hear cannon tongue and if you haven't seen it then you just be like what cannon tongue i gotta get to that <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's also a, a point of inspiration when you see the different situations play out and how it shows how dedicated everybody is to taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have these kids who are constantly going through all this trauma from all this villainy going on that they weren't expecting. And then all these heroes who, you know, are reaching or passing their prime and they can't even handle everything. I mean, a lot of we're getting a lot of situations where some of these heroes are getting injured, getting serious injuries that are inhibiting their powers. Mm-hmm. But they definitely try to push past. I mean, there's a great, you know, moment where All Might's battling. Uh, I- I'd say what the main villain in the series. He's a mm-hmm. uh, All for One. All for One is one of those nonsense characters. He can literally he can take and give people's quirks. Yep he he he's the, he's the Lex Luthor to the Superman. He's somebody who's a, a little bit ridiculous. But I'm digressing. Get back to what you're saying. Yeah, uh, well, you see this battle with them, which is kind of like it's kind of like All Might's last hurrah because when he passes down one for all to Midoriya, it's like he kind of has this like it's 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 always animated and represented as a flame. He still has power in him, but it's slowly dying. And then with this last one, he's like he's literally the embers of one for all. Yeah, the embers, and he's pushing past his limits, and then you know. I, for, I, I can't quote it directly, but he's like all the dialogue he's saying is literally just basically just saying it's like, you know, be, what I hear, what it means to be a hero and how you have to constantly push past your boundaries, how you just have to do whatever it takes to save the day. And then when he finally delivers his he says something, and he delivers his last blow to one or all for one that kind of like takes him out. He says something to the effect of like um, he incapacitates the villain. He points at a nearby camera crew who's recording him and he says, it's your turn now. Yeah. And then, you know, everybody's like cheering because it's like every, you know, that'll get everybody right up. But, you know, Midoriya, who, by the way, his hero name's Deku, Mm -hmm. which we never explained, but we'll let you guys, if you haven't seen it, figure that one out because it's kind of funny how it happens Mm -hmm. but um he understands what he meant because it's not just like a oh it's up to all you guys he that was pointed to him because he is a successor yeah all my knew he was watching and he knew the the crowd would take it as oh he's passing the torch to the younger generation it's like no he's passing it directly to one person and he's like this is your responsibility now you have to be the person you have to be the symbol of peace the person at the forefront who's willing to give anything and everything at the drop of a hat to save even a single person that and you know it can't be revealed one for all is essentially a secret mm-hmm. very few a small group of individuals actually know what's going on with that 
it almost feels like they do that thing that every anime does. It's like, yeah, only like three people know about this. And then a couple episodes later, 12 people know about it. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. They all knew. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's kind of like everybody except you knew. <laughs> right. Like you find all these group of people. It's like, wait, you know, you know, like, yeah, we like have to know. <laughs> uh, yeah. If it makes if it makes if it's necessitated by the plot, this person knows about it. I don't. It's it's definitely a show that gets a lot of people motivated to better themselves. That's really a lot of the premise of a lot of anime. I think you know it's it's the one medium where it's you know people get looked down upon for consuming, but it does the most good as far as helping people through whatever. Mm-hmm. There's you know? there's there's core concepts that that can be adapted into your own life. You know, like like we were talking about earlier. You have these uh, these students that are pitted against all of this and they they persevere through it. And it's like that perseverance is something that you should reflect in your own life. Yeah. I mean, there was the real life scenario. I don't remember if you remember the incident. Um, Some kid who was a My Hero fan saved a woman from being murdered by her Mm ex-boyfriend with a machete. Wow. No, I have not heard this one. It was at a Starbucks. There was uh, someone who came with a machete getting ready to attack and this kid literally decus it and just is like, nope, not happening. And actually like handles the dude. Like he's got he, he ends up getting like lacerations in his arm from the machete. Mm-hmm. But he he takes the dude out and then the police are called and he's just like, Yeah, and he makes it known he was a My Hero Academia fan. He's like, Yeah, I just had to jump in. <laughs> he he ended up getting a um a Funimation ended up reaching out to him and he had like a minor voice role in the the Broly movie. Nice. But yeah, it's just it just shows how powerful anime is like this kid who, you know, had everything to lose, jumps in to save someone who was about to be murdered, like risking his own life to save somebody, a, a stranger. But I just read that and it was just floored. I was like, yo, this dude had a machete and he was just like, nope, not today. Just handled it. Honestly. And it's like, how many people would be willing to do that? I mean, I know people who don't watch the show wouldn't be willing to do it. I mean, there's people who watch the show who wouldn't be willing. But the fact that. A show that means means that much to you that you feel the need to emulate that in real life. It's the selfless equation, man. That's that's what really stirs people like that to act. You know, it's um, I'm going to quote Tron Legacy. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure I quoted it before, but uh, it's removing oneself from the equation in the situation. You know, uh, the way okay, the way that, yeah. that kid perceived it, I guarantee you, he was like all he saw was a person attacking another person. He didn't see himself. You know? Yeah. That's at least how I think about it. That's definitely how I saw it. It's just impressive. You know, injured from it. Uh, yeah. Just and, and this was this just is how crazy the world can be. I mean, this was just in a Starbucks or something mm-hmm. like that. I never thought I would, you know, read a headline like, oh, someone with a machete came to attack his ex-girlfriend in a Starbucks. Seems like a lot of bad things happen at Starbucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, not, I'm, I'm pretty. It's just probably it's confirmation bias. How many days go by where nothing bad happens in a Starbucks? Oh, maybe it's just when you see a, a notable establishments in the news for stuff like mm-hmm. that. It just makes me glad I don't go to those places. <laughs> I mean, it's also a good inspiration if you want to make life changes like health wise. I know I know how many people watch anime and want to be like the main characters. So they just like, oh, I guess I'm going to I guess I'll hit the gym every day. Mm-hmm. I had started to I had started my weight loss journey before this character was revealed, but once I saw Fat Gum, I was <laughs> oh like, "Oh yeah, Fat Gum is such <laughs> a great character." Like when when he was first introduced, you only see him in his big form. And one of my coworkers at the time was like, "Fat Gum's body goals," and I was like, "What do you mean, dude's huge?" <laughs> and then you saw it. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, he is indeed body goals. <laughs> now, if only you could replicate that power. Oh man, that'd be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've spent all these years carrying around this extra weight to make my body adapted to being naturally strong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it just goes back to this thing I saw uh, soon. Somebody posted this thing. It said, uh, I saw a couple lanky boys in the gym the other day. And <laughs> one says the other, he's like, don't worry. We'll be like Goku and I might soon, bro. Don't worry. And he <laughs> said, Godspeed, boys. I believe in you. <laughs> and you have to realize, like, you know, it means. I don't know how to describe it. It's people who are passionate about this kind of thing. It's almost like a religion. Mm-hmm. Like people who feel deeply for religion. That's how we feel about anime. Like it's like it has that kind of connection. Yeah, it is is definitely a source for where you draw the inspiration to live your life the way you do. You know, it's definitely an example of, you know, all these characters are written to be better people than exist in actual mm-hmm. in actual life. It's, it's, it's the epic of Gilgamesh repeated in religion and media forever in perpetuity. We'll never get past it. For those who don't know, the epic of Gilgamesh is the, the, the very first recorded human story. And, uh, that's all I'm going to say. You dig into that and process it. However you want. (laughs) We're giving you homework. (laughs) No, and and it's just, it's just mind blowing. Once again, when people look at this things as just for kids or if kids do like like it, it's weird. It's like, you know how much how much good comes from it? Mm-hmm. It's like that video uh, <laughs> when you find out she's not into anime or something. Oh, you saw man. that video yeah. where she's like, man, I thought they were just trying to be white. He's like, first of all, anime is Japanese. <laughs> I mean, you're hearing this. Did she just say she don't like anime? <laughs> I bet she called them cartoons, didn't she? <laughs> Did you explain how they're different from traditional American cartoons? Yes. Oh, oh yeah yeah and the the funny thing is all this stuff is made by adults Mm -hmm. i want to see an anime made by children now (laughs) i want to see how ridiculous it gets (laughs) for some right for some reason whenever i you saying that just made me think of uh what was it crown shin chan Oh, whatever. No. <laughs> I was just telling someone about Shin Chan and they'd never seen it. I was like, what do you mean? Shin Chan's so good. That's one of those weird, absurd anime that is just like everyone needs to watch at some point just because how bizarre it is. It's bizarre and raunchy, and the kid's like two. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see a kid with the mind of a very perverted adult, that's. <laughs> That's Shin Chan. Whenever I see a frame, I just think of the instantly thing where people's like, you can't hear pictures. I see a frame from that and like picture what he's saying. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my God, this was classic. But yeah. There's definitely know, something to take it's away. It's growing, and I, I'm glad that it's definitely growing because like I said, nowadays it's fun for the whole family. Mm-hmm. It's not just it's not just the uh black sheep that's avoiding everybody at the family gatherings up in their room watching anime. Now it's like sitting in the living room with your family. Hey, check this show out. It's just accepted now. And, I, and that's something I appreciate. I was always glad I was never really pegged as a weird kid growing up. At least for my family. I mean, mm-hmm. all of us are like, anime. we were kind of weird to somebody. But no, nah, my dad would watch Dragon Ball Z with me. You know, what's funny is I was like the black sheep of the black sheep. <laughs> so oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. So like <laughs> my uh my mother was adopted, so like I never was really like connected to that family. And, like my immediate family was never super connected to that family. And so we were kind of like the black sheep group of that family and that and way, you were the black and sheep then of the black that, sheep group. Yeah. I was the only one who was like 
I was the one who watched anime, you know, I was the one who was like different from the rest. So I was a black sheep of the black sheep. That sucked. But it was like, eh, kind of it kind of what uh helped mold me into who I am today. So I mean, I can't hate it. I don't I'm just glad that like parents are being more supportive or at least this generation's parents. Mm-hmm. Like I saw this one where uh someone took their kid to it's like a young kid to a Comic-Con and then met Christopher Sabat and he talked to him in all my voice cuz he was dressed as Midoriya. Nice. I don't know. I, you know I, I'm, I'm hopeful for the future because of stuff like anime. I, don't, I plan on raising my future children with anime. I mean, it's, you can't not because I know there's a whole generation of us out here having kids and we all all are like anime fans or it's at least accepted to the point where we're all like relatable to it. I'm very hopeful for the future because we're going to have a bunch of little a, a little bunch of little Gohans and Izuku's running around. <laughs> well, it's it's the thing where it's also kind of melded in just culture in general, like I mean, think about how on point Arby's marketing team is. It's mm-hmm. literally their whole thing is literally mostly gaming and anime. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised they're not like the biggest uh, franchise out there, you know, with how on on the uh, on the pulse of the generation they kind of are. I think it is. It's just like, you know, they don't get as much media attention. Mm-hmm. They're not a McDonald's. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather eat at Arby's personally. Mm hmm. Just for the marketing alone. Yeah, you know, it's always there's always something to take from it. And it's impressive because it's like American cartoons still haven't quite progressed to the point where you can draw actual values from them. Yeah, I mean, you can like a generic ones, but it's always in some sort of, you know, comedic fashion. It's like a family Mm -hmm. guy or Simpsons or something like that. Yeah. Like there's something you could take from it, but it's meant to be kind of goofy and funny. I also just like the consistent art style of anime. You know, it, it's it's meant to be something more than just like, oh, here's some doodles I did. Yeah, I like when you can see a particular artist's um, work like across different shows. But that's mainly because like I appreciate seeing Akira Toriyama's work. Uh, across different like mediums in general you know he of course the the manga and the anime but also his artwork in video games like in the in the uh dragon quest series well there's also the thing that a lot of people don't realize is uh the amount of filmmakers who like anime or celebrities who like anime Mm -hmm. like apparently there's an interview where uh Kanye west said his favorite movie at the time of that i don't know what it is now but it was akira um what was it the movie um Darren Aronofsky's movie Black Swan, the one movie starring Natalie Portman about the ballerina, mm-hmm. that was that took elements from um, Satoshi Kon's uh, Perfect Blue, which he which he actually optioned to make a feature of that directly. Wow! But that didn't end up happening, and so he kind of took some elements of that. Well, there's that there's that whole um, thing with uh, Inception being there's traces of uh, actually the same director Satoshi Kon's um, Paprika. Cause that one has like the, it's like multi-level dream element thing, except mm-hmm. it, it takes on a different story, which uh, I mean, Inception's a, a heist movie that this one's kind of like some weird surreal thing. Cause he does kind of more surreal stuff. Um, I mean, look, the matrix ghost in the shell is one of the inspirations for the matrix. Yeah. I, I mean, that I, had I, a I lot of inspiration. That kind of obvious though. Yeah. It's just, you know, anime, it's almost everywhere in places you wouldn't expect. Even when you don't like, even when you don't consume anime, it's it's in, it's almost infected media to the level where like you're still consuming anime. Yeah, like I saw Black Swan. I have not seen either of those uh, sources. 
you know the the well perfect blue uh yeah i i tried finding it it's not Mm. i have to rent it if i want to watch it it's not on prime or anything like that but uh well it's because i'm a big fan of um his uh tv show a paranoia agent Mm -hmm. that's a really good show but also i mean anime in general it's like it's like if you want i think the big thing it has you know it can contribute to everybody which is very present in my hero is just culture like it's such a cultured medium compared to other things. It's like you know here we just like, it's just like is it goofy? Is it funny? Or is it like along like you know you have to really you know I mean TV shows are taking more of an avant garde approach over here to where we're getting a little bit more of a cultured you know creation medium. Mm-hmm. But over in Japan, it's like they can make something out of anything, but just the culture they wrap into it. Like you know I mean it's like a sports anime. I'm I'm not into sports. I'll watch a sports anime. Yeah. Or, or just the layers of inspiration that did go into all these shows. When it comes to the the general themes that I'm not interested in and whether or not I'll watch them like a sports anime, it's it's how they how they approach it and how they make it not sports. Like, yeah, like there's always something else that's not quite sports like. It's like even if it's it's, it's not like something supernatural or like superpowers or anything like that. It's just the way that they have the characters like explain their approach or like how they're uh, engaging in this activity. You know, so like. Whereas uh, over here, you'll have like basketball, right? And everybody knows about the the great players. They, they're they very good at what they do. When you watch an anime about it, This the main character is like, all right, I'm charging down the fucking the court at this person. And he's known for his ridiculous ability to steal the ball. So I have to stay on guard. And then, oh, no, he stole it. Like, it's the way that they write it's, it. It's just, just a drama so in overblown. The and that's what will get me into it. Yeah. Well, also, I think the things that, you know, they take from here, like my hero is just flooded with American influence. I mean, all Mm. my all his moves, he ends. He took a tour in America and named all of his uh, abilities after uh, states. After different, you know, uh, not not all of them are states because. Which one's not? Oh, no, wait, no. I think that maybe that's Midori's one. There's St. Louis Smash, which St. Louis isn't a state. I don't remember St. Louis Smash. I think that maybe that's just Deku's move. But yeah, he's got like Texas Smash. His 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 final blow to uh, all for one was United States of Smash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean just to just to touch on that a little bit, it's because he spent a lot of time in America traveling with a uh, companion, David Shield, and yeah, he really like wanted to eternalize his experience over there. Well, I mean, you know, I think I think the creator said All Might's partially primarily based on Superman. Yeah. And then, you know, he's a big fan of Marvel comics. So, that's, I mean, that's like blatantly obviously. Well, yeah. And then, and then he's like a big fan of Marvel comics. So it's, like, mm. it's almost a disservice not to like my hero if you're from the States because, you know, there's so much they take from here. He loves Star Wars, too. Oh, all the, all the Star me. Wars references like Dagobah Beach. Oh, that's, well, I mean, that's a well, that Star Wars is another conversation because that's mm. something people don't realize. Like Star Wars isn't a wholly original work like some people make it out to mm. be. Like the like there's a Wikipedia page source material for the creation of Star Wars. <laughs> and it shows all this whole list of things. And I'm like, whoa, because um, I mean, the first Star Wars is just. Um, um, oh, what's his name? Why am I blanking on this? Welcome to my everyday. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I blanking I, I on I only this? blank on Ooh. these episodes. Uh, Kira Kurosawa, um, Hidden Fortress. I'm not familiar the with The framework it. of the movie is based on that movie, which involves finding a princess who's missing. Even C-3PO and R2-D2 are based on a couple like minor like comedic relief characters 
in that movie. I mean, we could break anything down to its framework and say that it's all derived from the 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 core story of the whole hero call to action. Well, yeah, but this, but this is this is admitted by him that this mm-hmm. is directly taken from this. That's why you see, you know, Jedi are just samurai. Why do you yeah. think they wear those outfits? <laughs> God. I think I think actually the um actually I think the Army of the Republic is actually based on some sort of I don't know if it's some sort of Soviet film or something like that. That's that's why their outfits look the way they do or the the manner in which they operate. I just always looked at them as uh, Darth Vader's Gestapo. Yeah, that's it, it's pretty much what it is. But but there's like like the trail of influence or like you know do the book Dune was a big influence. That's why there's a lot of like things named the way they are. Maybe that's, why, maybe that's why I like art nowadays is like there's so much inspiration you can take from all these pieces and just throw them together. So basically what we're saying is watch My Hero Academia. Yeah. If it's you really good. <laughs> if you weren't aware <laughs> this whole hour and a half, this whole episode, you should watch My Hero Academia. Watch anime. That's mm, it. Watch anime. I thought about just making this the, you know. The, the importance of anime episode but i just i, I felt the we had to be direct of my heroes so much better because if we did the importance of anime it's just there's too much history to go on mm-hmm. there we'll yeah. do we'll do that for patreon do you like the importance mm-hmm. of anime series and just every watch. episode tackle a different show give us an excuse to like maybe watch new shows too honestly because there's so many i think that, i also like it because it's it's a medium where they don't they don't overshoot things i mean you have long-running anime like a one piece mm-hmm. that's going on still that's breaking a thousand episodes actually i think detective conan is higher than that or case closed depending on how you where you heard show. yeah where you know it from i've always heard it as case closed i also like that this show's kind of moving further like my hero is moving further than the creator intended like he mm-hmm. didn't intend it to, i don't even think he intended to go this long he was like yeah i know where i'm gonna stop and then it was just like no created something too good man great power with great power becomes great responsibility it's like and yeah that's you that's, have a responsibility to keep creating this show and this manga now <laughs> it's like that's why you had someone create a spinoff series because mm-hmm. the spinoff series is i think done by somebody else there's apparently some sort of big my hero announcement coming in a couple weeks oh boy no one knows what it is though i'm hoping it's a vigilantes anime Honestly, I, I would I would pay money if if they announced that it was a vigilantes anime, I would find a way to donate money immediately. Right. <laughs> it's not a lot, but here's somebody just because you announced in, in other, it. In other words, if, if we somehow become multimillionaires, I'm going to open an anime studio. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I want to do. I've always wanted to make an anime. I, I, I've, I've wanted to take part in the creation of an anime, but I, I don't want to shoulder the responsibility of creating the entire narrative because I'm not, I'm not that creative. I'm, I'm good at like, I'm, I'm great at springboarding off of people, you know, I'd be a good voice actor, but primarily I think it's like somebody will give me a concept and then I can just flood it with, I, I can, I can stretch it to its limits, you know, where if somebody's like, here's a world of superheroes. Okay. I'll, I will populate it with an endless, uh, variety of characters. That's the type of stuff that I can do. So yeah, that uh, concludes this week's episode. Mm-hmm. Live, live from isolation. Because <laughs> you know, we we reveal in the bonus episode that uh, contrary to what you'll hear in episode fourteen, we were talking about how uh, we we're still working and it's crazy. Everyone's shutting down, and then next day, yeah. oh, hey, by the way, I think the exact <laughs> line essential. was like, I I can't wait to be labeled essential, and then they're like, <laughs> psych, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's today's show. I um, hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. 
Yeah, next episode was originally supposed to be an interview episode, but we decided to push that back because we we're practicing can't. safe distancing. <laughs> yeah, we kind of can't actually do that. So next episode, we're going to talk about the validity of gaming. Mm-hmm. We talked about excited. how anime is, you know, in, into in, integrated into culture heavily. And now we're going to talk about gaming. Um, yeah. Other than that, I don't think there's anything else. I don't have anything. To oh, add. Uh, we are. We are at work on preparing an actual merch drop. Yes, yes. We have been approached by people. We know we know you want it. It's coming. Sorry, sorry that it's taken so long, but you the know, corona kind of ruined it for us. <laughs> you know, anticipation is the greatest aphrodisiac. So I mean the longer you wait, the more you're gonna appreciate it. Yeah. So yeah, that is this week's episode. Make sure to follow us everywhere. Facebook, you know, PNT or Facebook.com slash PNTS podcast, or just look us up in the search bar. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at PNTS underscore podcast. You know, you might you might see other mediums, m- might see our name on other mediums like Josh's <laughs> TikTok. Ooh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> he he definitely, he definitely did showed us some love on there. We're making appearances everywhere. And yeah, uh, go watch some anime. Mm-hmm. It's good for you. And learn something from it. It's learn, learn life lessons. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe it'll inspire you to, you know, be be like All Might, become like seven feet tall and all muscle. Is he exactly seven feet tall? I, don't, I, sure I think I think it's close to like that. <laughs> so all I know like is that. he's ridiculous. This guy's got to weigh like eight hundred pounds, <laughs> right? Well, that's the show today. And as always, stay hustling and stay hydrated. Peace. <laughs>